good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. My name is Matt Hudson, and joining me today is a man who always feels the need, the need for speed. It's John Burke from Burke Reviews. How are you, sir? I am doing all right, sir. You know, uh, it's Memorial Day when we're recording this, which is the perfect day to see Top Gun. I think it is a, uh, you know, such a patriotic franchise. <laughs> yes. I did a um, a generator before I came online to see what your call sign would be oh, if you were fun. in Top Gun Maverick. Do you want to know what it was? I'm I'm curious. I, I don't know how they managed to generate this, but you, you, if you were in Top Gun Maverick, your call sign would be <laughs> high tech. Interesting. That's not. I mean, that kind of fits. Mine was stallion. <laughs> which, um, which okay. I hate fine. horses, Matt. What the heck? Um, Damn, of course. Well, yeah. So we, we'd be on opposite sides of the uh, of the Top Gun um, barracks. But uh, are you keeping Florida safe and well, though? You know, I'm doing uh, my part to uh, manage the weather and uh, you know navigate the. Uh, Apparently, it's summer. Um, <laughs> so you know, I'm here doing the thing. No, that's what we like to hear, my friend. We're recording. Well, much earlier and on a different day, so it's thrown me somewhat. But uh, any time I get the chance to speak to John Burke about any film is a good day. And today we're talking about Top Gun Maverick. We're going to be giving you a top a Top Gun, a non-spoiler review of Top Gun Maverick. So if you haven't seen the film, you'll be safe. The only thing we talk about really is what's in the synopsis. And on Monday, we'll drop our spoiler review of Top Gun Maverick. And we would like to say if... If you like what we do, if you if you listen to this review and you think, damn, those guys are cool or great, then please do consider dropping us a rating or review. Five stars, of course, on your podcast provider of choice. We would appreciate that more than anything. So uh, on to the review. Non-spoiler again. Top Gun Maverick was directed by Joseph Kosinski and written by Peter Craig and starring, you know who's leading this film, Tom Cruise. John Burke stunt double, uh, Jennifer Connelly, Miles Teller, Val Kilmer, Bashir Salahuddin, John Hamm, Charles Pennell, Monica Barbaro, and Lewis Pullman. And that synopsis reads, after more than 30 years of service as one of the Navy's top aviators, Pete Maverick Mitchell is where he belongs, pushing the envelope as a courageous test pilot and dodging the advancement in rank that would ground him. Now, the original Top Gun was beloved by many simply because it kind of felt you know it felt of its time it's cheesy but it's a lot of fun to some it's a guilty pleasure but it it, it isn't always looked upon favorably by critics at least critically so what about the sequel surely surely the sequel would be would follow suit 97 percent on rotten tomatoes 79 on metascore what about the fans who mostly cling to that original 8.7 8.7 out of 10 on IMDb and 4.2 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Blow me down. Those are very high scores. And if you want to see Top Gun Maverick, it's only available in theatres. And if you want to see Top Gun Maverick, you really need to see this in theatres if, if you can do safely. Uh, and if you can afford to go and see this on the big screen, I would recommend you do so. Uh, Top Gun, I liked Top Gun, the first film. I don't, it's not, ever going to break into my top 50 but i rewatched it uh in anticipation of watching top gun maverick and each time i watch it i get a little bit more appreciation of it it's a it's a decent film it's got some good moments in it. it's got some sad moments in it. it's got an absolutely rocking soundtrack and it's very much of its time what now with top gun maverick i went in not entirely um, excited to see the film because of my feelings for the first film. But I'd heard a lot of people saying, no, look, this is, this is really good. This could be the best film, one of the best films of the year, if not the best, certainly in terms of your blockbusters. Now, I went to watch it uh, last week in the evening. Uh, the theatre was packed for the first screening of the evening for Top Gun Maverick. And as soon as the movie started, Again, no spoilers, but those opening sequences with the with the sound system blaring, I thought, "Yep, I think well, I think I know what we're in for here, and I think I'm going to enjoy it." And John, I really did enjoy this. I had a blast with Top Gun Maverick. I had an unexpectedly wonderful time with this film. It is uh, it, it's everything I thought it would be. However, 
10 times better. Is it, does it carry certain hallmarks that like the first film did? Yes, absolutely. Because it's a mm-hmm. direct sequel, whether it's 30 odd years later or not, it's still a direct sequel, but everything is, uh, bought, bought along for the ride in the sequel for a reason. Nothing here felt, um, cheap or manipulative or thrown in just for fans to remember, to remember that person in that film. Everything felt right here. And I think I've got to shout out to Tom Cruise and the studios, but Tom Cruise, because he only ever wants to make the best movie possible. Doesn't matter what he's doing. And I think it's about time that gets respected more and more. Yes, he does all of his stunts, but he held out for years for this film to get it released on the big screen because he knew what he had here. Plus he wants the film going audience to have the best experience possible. Top Gun Maverick is it's wonderfully filmed. The flight scenes are fantastically done. It's exhilarating. Most importantly, though, it's got a great story, which is, for me, excellently executed. The film isn't flawless, but the story in this film of of what could have been a throwaway story or it could have just been totally aping on the first film. No, I think the, the, the story here is so well done. The characters are afforded development, which was crucial. These, uh, there are scenes in which uh, the, the third act is leading up to. To get there, they're so well-defined. They're so in-depth in letting us know, and the pilots, what needs to be done. I thought that was brilliant. Nothing was just kind of glossed over or left a chance. We, I, I, as an audience member, felt like I was learning the missions in this film with the pilots, and I think that was also a very, very clever uh, angle to frame this in tom cruise is excellent in this film tom cruise is um is very very likable in this film i find him likable in most films whatever he's like off screen i don't care i think he's great in this film i a lot of the you know the maverick character rides on the shoulders of tom cruise and his charm and his charisma his movie star charisma the uh the rest of the pilots are very very good as well miles teller as rooster um, Glenn Powell was hangman. I liked him an awful lot. I, what he had to do, I think he did very, very well. Uh, and he, the arc he's afforded is also really good. Um, John Ham, he's not too hammy, but what he has to do is done well enough. So he's not any kind of antagonist, but you know, you've got to have some friction for Maverick to bump, bump up against. Um, there, Val Kilmer, as we mentioned, he's in the cast list, how they treat the character of Iceman I think was really really well done I think they, the way they handled that was very very classy um, but it also at the same time one of my very minor issues with the film relates to the, the character not Val Kilmer the character of Iceman um, certain moments seem to be over a bit too quickly that was my big issue of the film but uh, the crowd were going wild John where I was and we're, again I always say this but I'm, I live in England we don't do that, but the crowd was going wild. It seems they were cheering, they were hollering, they were punching the air at certain moments. This is a big screen movie; it's a big screen experience. Uh, and John, I this is one of the best films I have seen all year. But it's one of the best experiences I've had in a theatre in a long time. I came out beaming. I was holding back the waterworks during it as well because it's surprisingly emotional. Yeah, I had such a good time, John. And this is up there, just behind everything, everywhere. It's my, I think, second favorite film of the year. But what about you, John? How did you find Top Gun Maverick? I I loved it. Um, this is one of uh, becoming a trend now this year, where I'm seeing movies twice because I'm seeing them at a critic screening, and I'm like, well, I got to get the reward points for seeing it at the other thing, so I'm going to go ahead and see it again. But this one, uh, my wife is a huge fan of Top Gun, so I knew she was going to be in to see this. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I knew when I saw it at the critic screening, I would be seeing it again. So I was really hopeful that I was going to like it. <laughs> and uh, the critic screening that I went to wasn't exclusively critics. They also had done like ticket giveaways. So there were like people who'd won tickets and it was a packed house uh, for the cr- first screening. And same, our, our crowd cheered. They applauded at moments. Um, they, there were high fives given. Like it was a, uh, it's, it's one of those movies where you're just sucked in and it's just over two hours. It never feels like it. It moves so quickly, um, but in a, in a good way. And uh, one of the things uh, that you can't help but hear this is people are comparing this to the first one. And the first one is beloved by many. But the, I actually didn't see it till a few years ago. Uh, I had not b- been interested in it as a kid. I, I might have saw like like clips when I was really young, but I never like sat and watched Ma- uh, Sorry, Top Gun. I've, I've actually watched Maverick 
a lot of times. Um, <laughs> it's a favorite Mel Gibson movie of mine, but uh, I, I had just watched it. I, I saw it on the small screen first. And then I saw this, I'm talking the eighties top gun. I got to see it at a retro screening a couple years later. And it was definitely, I liked it the first time. I really enjoyed it the second time when it was on the big screen. Cause I, I do think these movies are best suited for like really good sound systems and big oh, screens, yeah. especially Maverick. Uh, my critic screening, we got to see it in the Dolby Atmos theater, which is um, all about the sound. And man, you could feel the jet engines in that theater. <laughs> oh, so like it was, it was pretty intense. Um, but I, uh, I also just was like shocked at how much I, I think this is a better movie in terms of like plotting and story. I, I think this one feels a little more focused in the first movie. When we end up with the actual like battling, I never really understood why we were in that fight because I'm like, weren't they in school? Like, why are they <laughs> like, I don't understand the, like how we got here. Everything felt so episodic, like, like this happens. And then we, this happens. And I, I almost feel like you could rearrange some of the pieces in that movie and it wouldn't really matter what order they came in. It was just like, okay, here's cool moment time. And this one feels much more cause and effect. Like this leads to this leads to this leads to this. And, uh, that makes it move and you're just in it like the whole time, even how it starts. Um, I think this movie has a really good kind of sense of humor and, uh, and yet doesn't sacrifice like action or tension with that humor. It's just, it's just part of it. Um, and there's a sincerity in, in Cruz's performance where you can tell how much he loves this character um, and I, we know that he's a huge advocate for films. One of the reasons why I like seeing his movies is because no matter what, he's going to be giving it his all. Yeah. And he, he really elevates the people around him. And one thing that I thought was, uh, I was so thrown with Jennifer Conley's character, Penny. Um, she is a new character for Maverick, but there is a backstory that yes. this movie does a terrific job of making you feel like you actually already have seen it and you're just like catching up. Cause it's, it's a, it's a pretty straightforward story. Like you could see it play out in a billion other movies here. We're just kind of like shorthanded, like, yeah, yeah, there's a history here. And obviously because of the way the Navy works, they've broken up a few times, but man, had they cast the wrong actress, that role would have felt so like, you know, side sidetrack yes. extra. Conley is so good at making you feel like you've seen this character forever. And like, just like Ma- Maverick, you're just excited for her to be back. And I was really impressed with her. I I've been a Conley fan, but man, I, you don't, we don't, I don't think Hollywood uses her enough. Um, cause every time she is in something, she just brings like gravity to it that otherwise I don't think you'd have there. Same kind of can be said for miles Teller. He's done some great movies, but he's done a lot of crap. Yeah. <laughs> When he's good, he's very good, but he has been in some crap, and you're just like, oh, is this kid good, or is he just kind of phoning it in? And I think he's terrific in this. Um, same with Glenn Powell, who I'm not super familiar with, but I thought he was great. I'm always up for John Hamm. I, I also don't think he gets used enough in movies. Often he's relegated to these like tertiary roles where he's, he's there, he gets some time, but he's not really given anything to do, and that always disappoints me. Um, Lewis Pullman was so amazing in um oh i'm gonna forget the name of the movie that i literally have talked about forever chris hemsworth dakota johnson bad times at the el royale it came to me um i i loved him in that so i was excited to see him in something else and he did not disappoint here i thought he was such a fun character love his call sign that it's bob yeah i mean that's like the best little joke in the movie um but yeah this movie there's so many cool sequences. There's so much awesome flying and uh, the intensity behind it. We still get heart. We still get emotion. Um, I, I can see what you were saying about some things we are, it's like flashes on the screen, but it does. I don't feel like anything was done dirty. I just feel like there's a, there's a few moments where like, I, I would have been okay with sitting with this for a few more seconds. Yes. Um, but you know, everything I do feel like gets enough time. Uh, a little more time, sure, but this movie's got a need for speed, Matt. There's no time to sit around and ponder the existence of things. We must move forward or we will crash and burn, which I think is thematically tied to Maverick's whole existence, though. So I do think there's, like, you can even argue for the, the pacing to be part of what he's been doing his whole life. He's not willing 
to slow down and, and just take the desk job or do the, you know, get the promotions because he is a pilot. He is born to move. And when he's not moving, he doesn't know what he's doing, which is like kind of the, the big midlife crisis element of this movie is like, well, what's, what am I going to do if I don't do this? And yeah. I, I think that's pretty, pretty potent and, and impactful in a good way. Like I, I just, uh, this is a, a great example of a very, very successful blockbuster. It is designed to put butts in seats. It is designed to entertain you while still being able to give you a solid story, a lot of heart and some really cool characters. What, what more could we want from this type of movie? No, no, exactly, exactly. And um, I would have just been happy with a good, fun adventure romp, action yeah. adventure. But the fact that we got those developed characters, like you said, that decent story, well executed, that kind of furious kineticism from the uh, from the camera work and from the from the on in camera flight scenes, which are s- unreal. Um, and as well, we don't again f- broken record. We don't talk spoilers, but the third act in this film really really delivers more than once you know there's a few times in this physical at least once when i was like oh like you know okay, well, okay the film's done now great but actually no we've got there's more there's more to come and it doesn't feel like they're dragging this on it doesn't feel like they're elongating or going for a victory lap no 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 the way that this film exceeds into its third act and executes it is excellent like you like you yeah. mentioned it's like you're on the edge of your seat at times uh and yeah i, I don't think that um that Joseph Kaczynski could have done an awful lot more than he actually did on this film. And he's, he's, he's not one he's known for doing a kind of legacy sequel, I guess with, you know, things like Tron legacy, for example, you know, he's been here before, but I think this, this is, I've seen people online saying the original and Top Gun Maverick, Top Gun and Maverick are, you know, they, they are chalk and cheese in terms of their quality. Now I don't want to go that far, because that almost sounds disingenuous to the first film, which means a lot to a lot of people. But I think as a film, this is streets ahead of the first film. And as a cinematic experience, this is on a much higher level. Uh, but that, that, that's not to kick the first film, though. No. And you, you'd want to say, well, that's because of the technology. Because that's what like the instinct is, right? Like a new film, CG is yeah, just better. No, it's not just it's that, not CG. <laughs> no, it's not. I think there's like one or maybe maybe one or two moments of CG, which I which yeah. I noticed, mainly kind of obviously in the third act, because there were a couple of things you just couldn't do because, well, right. health and safety. But it's not, it's not even, oh, look, everything's bigger and better. No, no, the characters, the story, the visuals, the sound, the emotion, you know, the comedy, everything is there. There's a great moment of comedy involving Tom Cruise falling from a window, which had me in stitches. And my last thing as well, before I've got to say, you know, Lady Gaga, she delivers with the theme song. That song is so killer, man. Like, and um, when the, how they use it in the movie is also very, very good. Which is not always the case with some of these. You know, you get the big singer to do the song, but it's not actually in the movie. Yeah. I, it's in the movie a couple of times, but it's like once in the background, and then it it hits pretty prominent, I think, at the end. But um, if I remember correctly, but yeah, that, that song is really, really good. Um, and apparently, he uh, like. I, I don't know if he handpicked her for it, but like there was like they collaborated somehow, so it's really cool yeah so i think it's fair to say john and myself we are going to give two thumbs up both for top gun maverick as we mentioned if it's safe to do so and you've got the means to do so we would highly recommend seeing this on the biggest screen you can with the best best sound and we don't think you'll be disappointed however we'll give our social links out at the end of the show and you can let us know if you were disappointed or if you loved top gun maverick so uh, we'll be back to talk more in depth about uh, the nitty gritty of the film on Monday with our spoiler review. But now we'll move on to our next segment, which we call Chuffed Headlines. Uh, here, John and myself, we grab a movie or pop culture news headline that caught our attention for any reason we deem to be fit. And we discuss it with each other and you guys. So, John, what have you gone for this week? So I was scrolling through the news uh, headlines and I am a film nerd. I like to you read are? film books and found out that uh, Quentin Tarantino has written a book uh, about film history called Cinema Speculation, <laughs> and that's supposed to be coming out in October. Um, that's it's got a, a, a seems pretty official release date. Um, so I will definitely be um, hoping there's an audiobook version of it. But if, it sounds like it's going to be more of a textbook. So sometimes textbooks don't have the audio book yeah. uh, treatment. Um, but I, I mean, 
as a film teacher, I'm definitely like, okay, should I get a class set of these? Because it's Tarantino and that's cool. Although it's also, it's Tarantino and that makes it probably not high school age appropriate. But also, um, if you've ever listened to Tarantino do uh, film conversations about not his movies, mm-hmm. the dude has seen everything. I think like I, I would him and hard right together. I, I actually, uh, they did a podcast for um, what's the, uh, the magazine that's really empire, empire. magazine. They did uh, a very long episode where like the guy, the host is basically phased out of it <laughs> because it's Tarantino and, and Wright are talking. Not only are they talking, so much because they're friends and they love movies, but they've seen things that the other dude doesn't even know exists. No offense to him because nobody else knows these movies exist. Um, Tarantino and Wright are both like avid film nerds who are also big filmmakers. And so who better than to get a, uh, to write a book about film as the dude has seen things that most people wouldn't have even known to look for. So I'm excited for those reasons. Uh, It's, you know, I don't know, uh, Matt, uh, how often you buy books like on the this side of the film spectrum, but mm-hmm. is it something you might pick up? Probably. I like it. It, it comes down to the, the tone of the book. I love behind the scenes books. I think most people enjoy like the kind of one thousand and one movies to see before you die because that yeah, kind of, yeah. is a kind of on a casual approach to it. You kind of you're learning something, but at the same time, it doesn't feel like a boring history lesson. A bit like movie astrology, uh, which is a lot of fun. But uh, from what I've read about this book, what does it say? At once film criticism, film theory, a feat of reporting and wonderful personal history. It's all written in a singular voice recognisable immediately as QTs. Uh, Yeah, and with the rare perspective of one of the great practitioners. Yeah, this sounds like a lot of fun to me. This sounds like something I'd be very, very interested in, in picking up. Because of what you've just said, Quentin Tarantino, QT himself, has seen so many films whilst also making films himself. He's seen so many films that I take it as an educational piece where, okay, so mm-hmm. whether or not I think he's the greatest director of all time is irrelevant. The fact that the guy knows film is all I care about in this instance. So this guy saying, oh, I watched this film from I don't know, 1968 and it's great. You know, it's more likely I'm going to go and check it out because I, I may never have heard of it before. But if it's been recommended, I'll check it out. Who knows? You, you might get introduced to a new genre, a new director, a new actor or, or, or whatever from doing that. So I'm not averse to buying film books from, you know, the not even behind the scenes, but the reporting aspect. So uh, it sounds good. You know, having Quentin Tarantino's name in it can't certainly can't help it. It's not always a a definite sell for myself, but it's certainly not going to hurt it in this instance. Similarly to, you know, an Edgar Wright's 1001 films you've got to watch before you die. That would be vastly uh, more interesting possibly than the one that's released at the minute because you know, you're going to get 1001 movies you probably never heard of. So uh, no, I'm I'm interested in this, my friend. And as, and when it comes out in the UK, uh, I'm pretty sure I'll, I'll pick it up if it's not, if it otherwise part part of me thinks an audio book could be quite fun as well. Yeah, I, I really, I mean, I wonder if he would be the one reading it if he, it was an audiobook. That would but be my I'm, hope, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm intrigued. No, no, um, I will be checking that one out. Would you buy it as well? Oh, yeah, definitely buying it, yeah. almost yeah, yeah. Unless it's outrageously priced, which is possible because uh, textbooks are expensive. But um, I, I have ambitions to get it. School budget, school budget, my friend. Um, I have gone for something awards season is here now already it's may but we're already talking about the awards and in this set, uh, case we're talking about the 2022 cans awards possibly the most prestigious film awards out there depending on who you believe um and it's kind of the winners or the the winners of the the major awards from cans uh and whether or not john's seen them heard of them wants to see them or not and how excited it is for you going forward so um the winner of the palm, the coveted palm door was triangle of sadness by Ruben Ursuline, who directed the square from 2017, which I never got around to seeing, but I'm I really want to watch it. And now the fact that this is his second win, Ursuline's second win following that kind of makes me want to go back and watch that one. Now, um, outside of the main competition, Riley Keough won the best first film award for her debut war pony. And, at the same time, Elvis by Baz Luhrmann was 
uh, premiered world premiere at the festival. And of course, Elvis Presley is Riley Keogh's grandfather. So that adds another um, dynamic to her involvement in the festival uh, as well. Uh, Parasite star Song Kang Ho snagged the Cannes award for best actor for his performance in Broker and Zah Amir Ebrahimi won best actress for her work in Holy Spider. Uh, so have you seen, or firstly, have you heard of those films going into festival season? And in terms of the winner, Ruben Ursland, did you see this? I know, I imagine Big Tune has probably seen it, but did you see The Square? Because I remember when it came out, there was a lot of talk about it, but I never got around to seeing it. Yes, I did see it. Wow. Um, Big Tuna turned me on to that movie uh, several, well, 2017. So I think I saw it right before the Oscar season. So I probably saw it at the end of 2017, early 2018. Um, and uh, in fact, it's one of the, uh, Klaus Bang is in The Northman and he's in The Square. Um, yes. And so that was the only thing I'd seen of him. Oh, and he's in The Girls with the Spiderweb, but no one remembers that movie exists. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really like The Square. Um I was trying to like kind of read the article too, uh, which is probably where my brain was like cutting out. Cause I was like reading the words and then trying to listen and I can't do that. Um, but <laughs> I, I'm a big Riley Keough fan. So that was like, to me, the headline that really like, I'm like, Ooh, uh, she's directing. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see her movie. Um, and then I, I haven't, you know, big tune is really good at like thinking. I know everything about that. What's coming out. So he'll like say something very like, I'm so hyped for this. And I'm like, what is that? And then he's like, you don't know. And I'm like, no. So, uh, <laughs> the, the one that, um, he's doing the director from the square is the triangle of sadness. Is that right? Yes. That's the one. Yep. Yeah. So I had seen a little bit of buzz on it, but yeah, uh, tuna is excited for it. Um, I I'm hopeful for it. Um, you know, there's a lot, a lot of stuff coming out this year and it's hard to keep up with all of it, but I am, I'm excited for this type of stuff coming out of festivals to see what, you know, what are people going to talk about? I've seen a lot of the big uh, Sundance films already this year, thanks to it being virtual. And like, people are going to uh, get to see my number two film here pretty soon. Cha-Cha Real Smooth, yeah. which is uh, dropping on Apple TV plus next month. So um, I'm, I'm excited to catch these uh, Cannes fe- festival stars and um, movies and see uh, if they hold up. Yeah, no, same here, my friend. Um, I'm very interested in going back to watch the square triangle of sadness. Uh, I will then hopefully anticipate, and it's great to see the Parasite gang uh, continue when they left off a few years ago and scooping those gongs. And we've got Tribeca coming up soon, haven't we, my friend? So hopefully we can see a few more uh, favourites there. Yeah, a lot of times too with Tribeca, we'll get some of the uh, carryover from these other festivals. Um so there's a chance there's going to be something that we missed at Sundance that's going to be at Tribeca or um, usually not cans. They're too close together for like Tribeca to pull that unless it's just a coincidence and they already had both movies. But um, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm looking, we had a, I, I enjoyed Tribeca's movies last year, um, including the novice, which was one that I, I just keep thinking about. Um, yes. And there were uh, several good documentaries last year, um, including the aha documentary, which uh, I learned so much about that band. Um, so, you know, and accepted, I mean, honestly, there was some really good stuff at Tribeca last year. So I'm, I'm pretty hopeful that we're going to have an, a good follow-up festival. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, time will tell because we still, I still don't know what all is playing at Tribeca this year. So we just have to wait and see. Yeah, no, I'm hoping for some uh, more surprises. Not always the big ones you expect. Like not, I hadn't heard of The Novice before going into Tribeca. And right. that was the Isabel Furman film. And she was great in it. And that film was great as well. So uh, keep your eyes peeled on the BAMP for more Tribeca coverage coming up very soon. But for now, let's move on to media consumption. This section, we talk about the movies, TV, streaming series, video games, music, podcasts, which aren't ours whatever we've used to pass time since the last recording. So John, what you been checking out, sir? Well, uh, blank checks continuing with the Sam Raimi, uh, series. So they just did the Spider-Man two episode, uh, they had, uh, Chris Gethard, um, as their guest, he's a comedian and uh, actor, um, three hour episode about Spider-Man two. And it was, it was quite good. Um, I, I, I really need to go back and, uh, rewatch the trilogy. I just have not had a chance yet. Um, 
I, I do wonder how it will sit with me, or at least the first two. I may not revisit the third one. Um, <laughs> I haven't had a lot of time for movies as the school year was winding down, so I was super busy last week, not to mention my daughter graduated last week. Congratulations. Um, and so uh, I haven't seen that many movies, but I have I have caught the Bob's Burger movie, which we will talk about next week, listeners. Um, but the, the next movies, I usually don't list movies I show students, um, but... Uh, because I haven't had a chance to really watch things on my own, um, I've opted to do this. So uh, on Friday, uh, the last day of school, um, I got to do, uh, we had what's called field day, right? They do like, um, they have inflatable things and they can play kickball. And uh, this year they opted to have more stuff indoors. And I got a text on Thursday from my assistant principal. It was like, hey, do you want to do something with movies? I'm like, I always want to do something with movies. Um, so I got, I had like 10 kids sign up to come and watch a movie. Uh, I went with a quiet place, you know, PG 13, exciting horror of some really cool technical things. Most of them hadn't seen it. It was, I, I love that movie. It was really cool rewatching it again. Um, I've also, uh, for my first year group throughout the week, we watched Kubo and the two strings. Um, oh, nice. it was just, uh, a re- viewing for them. There was no work attached to it, but they were already finished with their final. So we decided to do that. And then for my third year students um, who have been with me for a while, and we've watched some stuff this year. We've had a pretty good year uh, movie wise. Um, we opted to watch green room and I, you know, it's, it's not one I show very often. I've taught it before. It is, it is, you know, one that I always go in with a lot of caveats about the mm-hmm. content. Um, but uh, they, they really enjoyed it. That movie, man, it's just, it's just such a tension ride. Like you're, you're on the edge of your seat that whole time. Um, but that's all the movies, partly because I bought a video game this week, Matt, and I, I didn't include it on here, but I bought Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, which oh, is... I've the, never heard of it. Okay, it's the newest entry in the Borderlands franchise, and I'm a big fan of Borderlands 1 and 2. Yeah. I, I never really... I bought 3, I never beat it, I, I kind of fell off of it, I don't know what it was, it just never pulled me in the same way that the first two had. Um, and this one... Uh, they had done a DLC in Borderlands two where uh, Tina is a character in the game and she's basically hosting like a D and D game with your characters. Uh, so they add some like fantasy elements, but you're still ultimately playing a first person shooter. So this is that like fleshed out even more. Like what if the whole game was her doing this like fantasy D and D game? So the characters that you get to build are D and D influenced, but they're still Borderlands influenced too. And I, I got it on Tuesday, and I have been every minute I've had to play, I've been playing it and having a blast. Um, so that's not usually the case with me in games, but like I started, I think playing on, uh, I probably actually started playing on Wednesday, and I I'm already level thirty two, I think, um, just because every minute I've had at home, I've been playing that um, to relax because I'm on vacation. So I'm like, hey, you know what, gaming is the thing. No, nope, well, I dig that, my friend. They've got a Borderland. Is it a film or series they, they're producing? Uh, they are making a movie. Um, Jack Sorry. Black is going to be Claptrap. Uh, and um, I forget every all the other casting. There's some big names in the movie, though. Uh, it's one of your um, But I, I'm, I'm not sure. Video game movies have not proven to be good. Ke- Kevin Hart's rolling, which is uh, concerning in some ways because he's not big enough to be rolling. But, you know... Um, I'm excited for it because I, I hope it's going to be good. I, I forget somebody good is directing it. Oh, Eli. Okay. I take that back. Somebody is directing <laughs> it. Um, Eli Roth. Oh yeah. Kate Blanchett's in this movie. This It's insane. The cast. That's right. I just can't wrap my head around how, and tiny Tina is Ariana Greenblatt, um, who is in, uh, she's little Gamora. She's in the Heights and love of monsters. Um, and apparently the Barbie movie, uh, very young girl, but, um, she is playing tiny Tina. So, Maybe we'll get a Tiny Tina's Wonderland spinoff. Um, anywho, uh, what, the other reason I haven't watched movies is I've been watching all this TV. Um, caught two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi, which we'll talk about in a minute. But the yes, big thing uh, for me, the big thing for me this weekend, this weekend was a big TV series weekend, right? We got yes. the first two episodes of Obi-Wan. All of Stranger Things Season 4 Part 1 dropped on Netflix, which I have watched 10 minutes of. 10 no minutes? No offense to the show. I, I haven't had a chance. to me. How is it? How, how was its first 10 minutes? I don't know. I don't know if I'm... Uh, I, might, I, I might be 
one of the people who like I was so into it before that maybe now with the the distance I'm just like yeah wow I don't know like I'm not super minutes, I, yeah. I, I haven't dove into it I don't I don't fall to ten minutes I just think like I haven't wanted to like invest in it rushed um, back to watch it yet yeah and I don't know some of it, it there's just so much going on after season three even like they there's so many characters and I don't know I I'm I'm on the fence um, about how like how fast I'm going to get through it. But uh, but the show that I was really hyped for and part of the reason why Stranger Things didn't get put to the forefront is a, a little spinoff series called Shorzy for those Letterkenny fans out there. A show I've been talking about for the last couple of months because I had a co-worker uh, encourage me to watch Letterkenny and I've watched all 10 seasons of Letterkenny and I'm a big fan of this show. And uh, there's a character that shows up in like season three or four named Shorzy. He's one of the hockey players, but th- there's a catch with him is you never see his face in <laughs> all of Letterkenny. Um, because the main actor of Letterkenny is, uh, the, the character is Wayne, but the actor is Jared Kiso. And he is also like one of the main writers on, on the show. He is the, the character of Shorzy, but because he's Wayne, they've never showed his face. They've always just had him as a voice. Like there's always a reason you can't see him. Mm-hmm. So season 10, they started introducing Shorzy getting traded to a, uh, another senior like hockey league. Cause it's not like NHL hockey. We're talking like senior, like f- casual league hockey. Yes. Like, um, but, uh, Shorzy's getting traded. They start kind of like laying the groundwork and, um, the, the poster for Shorzy dropped like maybe a month ago where we finally see his face. We know his face because he's Jerry Kiso, but we see his, like, this is going to be his look. Um, and the show was coming out on Hulu here in the States. And I forget where the Canadian network uh, that it debuted on because it's a Canadian show. Six episodes, just like Letterkenny. That's the seasons are short, 22 minute episodes. Uh, Shorzy is so funny. I, I had a great time watching the show. It actually has a lot of heart. And I think fans of hockey will appreciate the love of hockey that is embedded in the show. Um, while still having a blast. Like it's so silly. Like there's so many little things, especially Shorzy's known for talking trash. Um, like that's basically his whole role in the other ones is he's just like telling guys that he effed their mom and things like that. And that's still heavily a part of this show, but they actually flesh the character out a little bit. We get to learn more about why he is the way he is. And uh, without feeling pandering or, or like over dramatic, cause it's a comedy first. And it's, I had such a blast watching it. Um, you know, I powered through all six episodes, like with no time. I'm a little sad. I'm like, when's season two coming? Cause I really, I don't want to <laughs> wait a year. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love Letterkenny and Shorzy. I'm very glad I came across these shows. Thanks to my, my coworker. Um, and, uh, lastly, the last thing I've been invested in, um, I bought the audiobook of blood, sweat and Chrome, the wild and true story of Mad Max Fury road. Um, it is written by Kyle Buchanan and has tons of interviews, with uh, all sorts of different types of film people, people in the movie, people behind the scenes, um, people who are like film critics or film journalists who have mm-hmm. studied this, uh, other actors who aren't even in the film, but they maybe were like on a list of casting. Like, And the, the audiobook, they do a lot of... The, it's not... Not all of the, the people that are interviewed are heard, but they have people doing the voices so that you can tell all the different people apart. Um, so it never sounds like just one person reading all the quotes. And, uh, so it's a really well-made audiobook, And I knew, I knew a little bit about, I actually came, I know this book because Kyle Buchanan has been a guest on blank check. And, um, I'm a big fan of Mad Max Fury Road. So I, I, I know a lot about like the true story stuff, but I was like, I, I don't know everything. So I'm, I was intrigued and yeah, it's wild that this movie exists. Like the length of time that, uh, George Miller was working on this movie, the number of people involved with the movie, the, the concerns, the budget, I mean, just so many factors that the movie got made and is the masterpiece that it is, mm-hmm. is insane. So it's a really cool audiobook. I'm, I'm only about halfway through, but it's, it's super compelling, very, very easy to listen to because of all of the voices. It's easy to kind of keep up with, even if it's just kind of on in the background while you're doing other stuff. So I was going to say, how, how do you, how are you listening to your audiobooks? I've said on this section before that, I try to. Li- I love audiobooks, and sometimes I can really zone in. But I find, like most people, if I stop listening or zone out for ten, fifteen, twenty seconds, 
I feel like, oh man, I've I've lost track. Whether it's a story or a, mm. or, or like a documentary type feel like this one. I I listen. Uh, actually, really like listening to podcasts and uh, audiobooks when I work out. Um, I know a yeah, lot of people do music, but uh, it's it feels like I'm having a conversation. So it keeps me kind of like I'm not thinking about the fact that this is really hard and I don't want to do it anymore. I'm just <laughs> listening to someone talk, and so it like distracts me from the workout. Where music sometimes can uh like i want to go with the beat and sometimes you just can't kind of like so i don't know i i find uh the rhythm of of like podcasts and stuff to be really great so that's when i listen to it most but also in the morning when i'm like making breakfast uh so i just throw a head a, a headphone in and i can do my thing without disturbing the family nice um, you know i try to listen to it in the car but of course, yeah. Your eyes and mine are everywhere else. Well, your I mind do is more so. sometimes, but yeah, I definitely I'm more podcasts or music in the car. Um, audiobooks, like you said, uh, I I zone out. The reason I do audiobooks now and not read books is I have a hard time keeping track of where I'm at on the page. My my brain was like, I'll read a sentence and I'll have like twenty uh, ancillary thoughts. I'm like, oh, you know, what about this thing? And then <laughs> uh, I've turned four pages, but I remember nothing, kind of thing. So like, yeah. the audiobook helps. It's also but that also you're trying to sit down for a, t- a day, two days, three days to find the time to read the book when you could do it, listen to it on the move. Yeah, yeah. And um, I've actually been trying to uh, – I have a three-month like temporary subscription to the Marvel Unlimited app where like yes, you can read yeah. most of their catalog. So I've read – I've been trying to read some comics. I haven't read many, but just – I used to read like all the time, and now I just find it like such a task to, uh, to commit to reading. But – with the summer, I'm going to try to like free time, maybe catch up on some comics I haven't read in a while. Or like, there's so many Marvel characters I'm being introduced to because of the plethora of Marvel content um, <laughs> that I feel like I need to read some of their books. Cause I'm like, Oh, I, this character seems interesting. Maybe I should actually like dive into a few. Um, and that's one, my complaint about the app. I don't think it's, it's great at like suggesting things for you. Like they, they just throw like everything at you. And I'm just like, look, if I want to read, this series, I feel like there should be a better search option for like, this is where you should jump into Spider-Man or this is where you should, I, I know Spider-Man, but I was just using him as, an, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like yeah, that's yeah. still like, there's so many books that I need more guidance to find what I'm looking for. But, um, but yeah, well, that's what I've been consuming, Matt. Um, I know there's one thing we're going to share here, but what have you been consuming? Um, copious amounts of tea for one, but, uh, in terms of list, oh man, this has been a, let's, let, let's not beat around the bush. This has been a Star Wars week for me completely. Um, uh, mate, the, one of the things that's kept my attention for almost all of it, uh, is Star Wars Celebration, which I'll get to shortly. Spoiler for the next segment, but, um, and I've been listening to the Force Center podcast with, um, friend of the sessions, Ken Knapsock. Uh, listening to their him and Joseph talking about what they wanted to see from Obi Wan Kenobi, what they did see from the show, uh, and any kind of uh, hopes for celebration and what came from celebration. So it's been very Star Wars centric, and I also went to a um, kind of small local comic convention. I won't call it a comic con, but a comic convention. Uh, a signers convention in Essex over the weekend as well and got to chat with some of the old cast and crew from the original trilogy and a couple from the new films as well, which is always always a good insight into the difference in how films were made then, even down to things like how did you get paid? I didn't ask that, but they told me, uh, compared to how it is now. And I find it fascinating when you kind of look behind the curtain. But um, John... You've got your Stranger Things, which I still need to finish watching. You've got your Letter Kenny, you've got your Shawzy. I raise you. Obi-Wan Kenobi is finally here on Disney+. And for Star Wars dorks like me, it felt like heaven had opened its gates finally after I don't know how many years of production, pre-production, cancellations, delays. Rumors. uh, Yeah, (laughs) only the New new Mutants or something could probably rival this, but... um, Obi-Wan Kenobi then, the first two episodes dropped on Disney+. Plus. No spoilers again, as per the nature of the episode. I mean, I'll give my thoughts. You're probably fair, fairly confident in what they are, fairly. What about yourself, John? Because with Mando, I know you're more of a fan of Mandalorian. The Book of Boba Fett kind of did you dirty by the sounds of it. Kenobi yeah. is the big one, though. How did you feel about it? So, I- I'm not as hyped as everybody else seems to be. Um, 
I, like, I was hyped for it. Mm-hmm. I, I love Ewan McGregor, hands down, like, in almost anything. I don't mm-hmm. think I've ever seen him be like, oh, Ewan. Like, even in when he's Jesus, I was just like, cool. You know, it's <laughs> it's Jesus. It's Obi without a lightsaber. But um, I I don't, man, the, the first two episodes, there's, there's some good stuff in it. It's not like it's not got stuff, but there's, mm-hmm. I feel distant from it and i don't know man i'm i've already pondered the idea of maybe i'm not as big a star wars fan as i've always thought i was or maybe it's just too much um and my my friend uh a friend of the show actually um mentioned uh, as i said that similar sentiment to her um that it might be the production line thing that disney's got going with both star wars and marvel it's just every time one thing ends there's another thing to consume and it's just like you know, if you're at a buffet for too long, eventually everything starts to taste the same. And we've had a smorgasbord of Star Wars content since L- Disney bought Lucasfilms, where when we were kids, we went, uh, you know, t- over a decade, almost two decades before we got the prequels, you know, yep. and then another 15 years before we get The Force Awakens. And now it's like every other month, there's more Star Wars stuff. And so much so that it's one of the only franchises that has its own convention you know like the star wars celebration it's i know i know technically star trek used to do that beforehand but it was like because there was nothing um i i don't think it's bad at all um and it's only two episodes in so i'm giving that a little bit of credit i think there's some really cool stuff in it i think uh the the inquisitors are cool um I love Ewan. I think he's uh, fallen right back into to Obi Wan. Um, I, I don't. I don't know if it's the performances from the child actors, or if it's me being apprehensive about someone else being a character that I know so well. Um, but I, I, I'm not sure. I love the decision that Episode Two goes in. Uh, I don't dislike it but it didn't, it didn't wow me. And it seems to be wowing a lot of other people. So I don't mm-hmm. know. It, it sounds like it's me. And that, that makes me a little sad because I'm sitting in a room that has a lot of star Wars memorabilia. And I'm like, am I a fraud? I, you know, why don't I yeah, love fraud. this? Like everybody else seems to be loving it, but I don't know. Well, uh, how, how you said you've watched it twice. So you must I have really love it. Well, the buffet anal- analogy is, is spot on. It's what uh, co-host Luke on session says that, in terms of Star Wars, Star Wars, it is a buffet. And do you know what the best thing about a buffet is? If you're going to be honest, you're not going to like everything at the at the table. And that goes for us geeks as yeah. well. That, and that's what we say on our Star Wars-centric show, that, hey, look, they're announcing 15 things. There's a high chance that, you know, a third of that probably won't be what we're after, probably not won't be that great. And we'll always say that as well. Um, but, of course the the amount on that buffet table will also dictate that as well so i totally understand what you're saying there's a lot of people who have had have had reservations about the sheer volume of stuff because when obi-wan kenobi ends in june um just over two months time give or take you've got the next series and or comes out which is a 12 episode series which Ooh. I was really excited for, but um, this is a it's a two season se- series that is. But I guess it's the same like you mentioned for Marvel. You finish one within two months to three months, you've got the next one, and then well, maybe a film in between that as well. And you know, DC is like kind of the only franchise at the minute which, for, for whatever it's mismanagement or not, seems to be the, the only one that isn't going through any kind of oversaturation at the minute. Which they have a lot of stuff because they have like their HBO series and stuff, but they yeah. don't seem to like push it as hard maybe but one thing um this is i think the first i might be wrong on this but i feel like uh miss marvel drops on june 8th and i think this might be the first time that there's overlap between the star wars and the marvel shows there is yep yeah there's there's always going to be i think yeah at some point i mean it seems like a lot i i I can't say anything but i i have seen the first two episodes of miss marvel um i had more fun with that than i've had with obi-wan so far but I am also, I have proven to be a bit of a Marvel fanboy, uh, maybe more so than Star Wars. So, you know, 
That's going to be the interesting discussion as well. Is there'll always be people online who try to make it a a battle when it's more of a case of, hey, look, can't we just enjoy all of it and and have the best? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, Obi Wan. No, I of course I really enjoyed the episodes with caveats for some of them. Um, In terms of the child actor, I thought said actor what I actually thought was excellent in terms of the casting. I thought the mannerisms, the performance was. Yeah. very reminiscent of whom they were portraying um later down the line and i'm like you i have uh, lots of fear yeah about child actors a lot of it um whether or not we get any more in the series we'll wait and see but for this one i was very pleased ewan is great the inquisitors i think look very good uh including reaver the third sister who for reasons uh, mainly due to a real world you can probably imagine why there's a lot of the fans well i don't like her character why? Uh, 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 oh, Jesus, really? Why, but I just don't. It's like, yeah, we know, we yeah. all know why you're frauds, but. Yeah, that's ridiculous. She's yeah. great. Actually, she's one of my favorite parts of the series so far. I like her. I like the way she portrays the character as, as completely a hothead against when even the bad guys are like, dude. Yeah, they're like, okay, you're too evil. <laughs> Calm yeah, it down. Exactly. It's like, is what I mean? The Senate will, we've got, we've got a Senate to please. Calm down. Um, no, yeah, there was, there was a few like, uh, creative, uh, choices, which I thought weren't great, which involved, usually involved chase scenes. I think, I was mm. like, yeah, that doesn't quite work. I understand the limitations involved with, because I of did like, it, but it, that, well, that was the first noticeable thing. There, one of my favorite actors shows up in episode two, though, and that did oh, yeah. that did pull me in a little bit harder because I'm like, ah, oh, I, I thought of you during in. that scene, and then I was disappointed because when I, on the recap we did, that was one of the things which I had issue with because I thought on on first viewing I thought, oh this, I thought, like, oh this put the the actor is basically just playing himself, and it took me out. Yeah. But then on the second viewing, settled in, it's fine. I really, really, really liked what the actor was doing. I, and, and, and I like this actor, probably obvious who it is because it's what John loves, but I like yeah. pretty much everything they do. But I, 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 in this role, I thought, oh, it feels too much of you. But the second time I watched it, no, the, the, all of those fears dissipated. And in fact, I actually watched the second one three times um, because I went to uh, Luke's house, my co-host, on Saturday f- with the plan to watch the star wars celebration panel for the mandalorian we know they're going to talk about season three and show some trailers or maybe some pictures and you know the cast and crew were there didn't do that because they didn't show it in all of the disney's infinite wisdom um so instead his brother was there and he said well i haven't seen the second episode of obi-wan put on if you want to watch it so i I kind of watched it for a third time but um so one last thing uh that i think is worthy of note we mentioned both stranger things and obi-wan coming out the same weekend um this is in the states especially uh, a very tragic week um because on tuesday the same day that my daughter graduated there was a shooting of 19 elementary school students and two teachers i I hope i'm not getting it right i'm pretty sure it's two teachers um and stranger things season four opens with a uh a title card about that shooting, that specific shooting, um, and and stating that they filmed the season four of Stranger Things a year ago. Yeah. But in light of recent incidents, they felt the need to to give warning. There's going to be some things that might hit some emotions right now. Yep. And my the same friend who mentioned earlier, I mentioned earlier uh, that was talking about the the you know, the the production line quality of the MCU and Disney Plus uh, Star Wars series. Um was really shocked that Obi-Wan doesn't have a similar warning because there is uh, a sequence where we're basically kind of back into the, uh, the, the prequel, the prequel days yeah. um, that d- definitely warrants, I think, Hey, a heads up. If you're emotional right now about the loss of innocent lives, maybe, maybe wait, or at least be warned that this is going to probably trigger some, some feelings. Um, yep. it was yeah. an interesting point, and I think you know the fact that Stranger Things did it and Obi Wan didn't is interesting. There, there is a trigger warning in the description for the episode, but they haven't got, got a title card. They haven't got anything. Nothing comes up on the screen when you watch it. But on the kind of description for the episode, there is uh, a warning in light of the obviously the horrific events of the last uh, week, which 
uh, should never happen in any country around the world. Reforms need to happen because it, you know, they, it's the heart goes exactly. out to everybody who was affected by this. But the very good point there, JP. Yeah, there are trigger moments, but um, Stranger Things obviously have seemed to have put that first and foremost, which you know applaud them for that but um yeah i i enjoyed kenobi i'm looking forward to where it goes next because of obviously how uh part two ended but no as a star wars fan i am more than satisfied with what i've got john well i am i'm happy for you sir i i hope i get more into it i i don't know um i i hate not loving it like i feel like i don't know i don't like being a contrarian and uh Often I'm not. I'm usually on the populist side of things. And for some reason, this is it just like I, I wasn't bored and I didn't want to turn it off. But I also was just like, yeah, OK. Yeah, like, it's not. I know what you're like. You're an honest chap. It's not you're not being a contrarian for any other reason other than that didn't particularly hit you like you wanted it to. That's yeah. fine. Yeah, that's how it should be. There are others out love- there who are contrarian for other reasons. Yes, that's a fair point. I'm not. I'm not doing it to just be that guy. I just was like, yeah. I really wanted to be like blown away, and I just, it just was fine to me. Like I, again, I have no major complaints or anything. I just was like, it was more like, mm, uh, mm, maybe I'm not sure, but I do, I do love you, and though I think he's he's just fantastic. Well, hopefully, the upcoming episodes will uh, give you moments to. To, to holler i know there's one particular episode i don't know the ins and outs of it but there's one which is apparently going to make fans very very happy um so that was very interesting to hear so uh well hopefully you find it to be bloody awesome in the upcoming weeks jb and that's going to wrap up the show and we like to tell each other and you guys how we've been staying bloody awesome since the last episode because these shows we don't want to we don't want to come we don't want to be mid awesome we don't want to be quite awesome we want to be bloody awesome for you guys each and every week john how have you been staying bloody awesome this week well i i think i alluded to this but it's summer break already it's, it's break. may 30th when we're recording this but yeah. i am on summer vacation as a teacher i do still teach because i'm i actually have some summer classes at the college that i teach at but um my uh, high school job is on, you know, break and it's, I've been in, I've been breaking. I made sure this weekend, especially that like Saturday, Sunday, Monday, I was just going to do anything other than work um, outside of the Polk State thing. Cause that's still like active, but no, no high school related content this week, um, which was hard, Matt. I I've gotten to a point where I like not doing things makes me as anxious as doing things. Cause I'm like sitting there not doing stuff going, I should be doing stuff and uh it i had to like really like no you're gonna play video games that's what you're gonna do and and i i have i've played a lot of tiny tina this weekend but have had a blast doing it so not regretting that at all um but yeah that's you know i'm trying to enjoy the summer i actually uh this will be this might make you jealous my friend um i have a a graduate uh who works at disney and Mm -hmm. i got a text from him today and he wants to take me on uh hopefully june 15th to the galaxy's edge oh man you're gonna have such fun there whether it might, regardless of what anyone thinks about the series, everyone I know yeah. has been to Galaxy's Edge has said it is great. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited. I, it's not 100 percent official, but he's he's working out. If there was a, I don't know how the process. I guess they have to like reserve a day for like being able to go. But yeah. um, he messaged me this morning, so like it's not me bugging somebody. Hey, can you get me in? It's <laughs> him going. Hey, because uh, he graduated the year the pandemic dropped, so like yeah. we didn't really get to have their graduation. Um, in fact, the weekend. Like in they, they, we have this thing called grad bash here in, in Florida, um, that universal studios houses. So like at, after the park closes, high school students from all across the Southeast come to universal studios and they're there till like six in the morning. Right. It's like this overnight thing. And I, I could chaperone it most years. If I wanted to, I usually don't, but for that group, they, they begged me and I was going to sh- chaperone. So we were supposed to go with like my, my film three class that year is like 10 of us. And we had orchestrated where we were going to be on the same bus and then it got canceled because of COVID. So this, uh, he's trying to get some of the, the graduates from that group to go. And it's, it'll be fun uh, for two reasons. I get to finally go to galaxy's edge, but two, because I'm going to get to hang out with some of my graduates from a couple of years ago um, who we got, you know, we got our time cut short because of COVID. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be a cool opportunity here in a couple of weeks. So that's my, my summer break is looking like uh, it's going to be stuff like that this year. It's looking bloody awesome, if you ask me. All I will say, John, is whilst being totally horribly green with envy, 
I need to see pictures of John Burke at Galaxy's Edge. I will I will ensure that happens, sir, if if it all goes to plan, but of it sounds course. like it's going to, so I'm manifesting this to happen. I'm I've got my hands for some reason in a meditation position, true story, and I'm trying to will this now through the will of the force get JB to Galaxy's Edge. Because then I can go hopefully in the next year or two, um and take my own pictures there. However, I will live vicariously through JB if hopefully you can go, but uh, I'm glad to hear you've got some time off, my friend, to play games and to chill out. Um, my, I've kind of mentioned mine. I've been staying bloody awesome. It's been a Star Wars week for a Star Wars fan. Star Wars celebration is here, which is kind of like Christmas for geeks from the galaxy far, far away. Um, it's a bit like John said, it's a big event. It's been happening since what, 1999, I think. Um, everybody knows what Star Wars celebration is. Um, but I've been watching the panels and, you know, waiting for cool news to drop or trailers for the upcoming shows. I was hoping for some film announcements, which never came, but, um, yeah, again, I went around Luke's on Saturday and we were going to watch it. The organisation was awful. And that's from somebody watching digitally. But that's also the vibe from the floor. We've had people, I say we had people, our friends or audience members, whatever, our friends were at Celebration, you know, DMing, kind of saying what it was all about. And even they were saying that the, that the panel organisation is abysmal. We can't even see the panels and we're here. Uh, which is never usually the case. Usually the panels are live streamed to everyone and any kind of exclusive footage or images which they don't want to go out, they're, they're blacked out and then it returns. Or at least within the convention hall, people there can see it as well. But really badly done, especially when the, the Lucasfilm had been pushing that, you know, we've got these panels, we've got the studio panel where we're going to be, you know, releasing finally these trailers for Andor and things like that or you know, Willow and Indiana Jones news and all this other stuff didn't show it the mandalorian um panel which so many people were excited about to get back into that world didn't show it instead people like, um, scurrilously recorded the trailers on their mobile phone which were later uploaded to twitter so so many fans around the world have been watching these trailers via grainy mobile phone footage rather than you know kind of just having them drop after the panel we've seen them it's really badly organized however that around that I had a lot of fun watching um, people like Tim Werner Morrison having a great time um, seeing the news drop, the trailers drop. But yeah, no films. And Dave Filoni came out and said, you know, Star Wars belongs in the cinema and that's what he wants and that's what we're going to get one day. But no news on the films other than Taika Waititi is the next film. And apparently that's still coming out late 2023, taking the place of Rogue Squadron. I don't know how that's going to work, but apparently it is. So no news in terms of cinema, but. Hey, as a geek, I enjoyed seeing all of the actors and the cast and the crew together talking about something that I love. So whilst the organisation was was not bloody awesome, you know, just being able to immerse for four days, it was bloody awesome. Yeah, I, I didn't. I, I mean, I, my Instagram feed was full of people like reporting the stuff coming out of the convention, but I didn't bother to try to keep up with it. I got to go in person um, when it was in Orlando back in, I think, 2016 or 2017. Uh, 2017 um, actually it was in london in 2016 which i went to uh, that one um and it was it was really cool and that was i was super jealous because i was not able to get into the main hall which was when everybody from force awakens came out and they had uh john williams came out and like, oh man and so i was in like the convention hall with like all the shops and stuff when that was going on because i couldn't get in and right after it had ended and like everyone was like oh my god john williams was there and they played uh, my phone rings and it was uh, a, my, the orchestra teacher from my high school yeah. who had got to play on stage with John Williams. So I will always remember that as being the most jealous because it's not only did I not get to see it, but my friend was like on stage playing for John Williams. So, Amazing. you know, um, it was, it was just like, wow, that's wild. But uh, I, it's a shame that they, they mess up the, the online coverage. Cause even that year, they did a pretty good job because like we could see what was happening in the panel, even though we weren't able to be in the yeah, panel. None of that, um, even in the conventions center, it's, it, especially when it was kind of billed as after two years of the, of the pandemic and no convention like this, you know, we're back. And then it, it was just really shoddily done. And people who were there though, that spoke to miss myself or Luke anyway, were whilst they enjoyed the experience, like meeting fans or the cast and crew, having their photos taken all that, the kind of admin side of it was or the organizational side wasn't great. And next year, 2023 is coming home. It's coming to London 
um, as my co-host has been very excited about, but it's coming to London. So we'll be covering that next year and maybe we'll get some news about a film, John, maybe. Yeah. Is there a specific film that I'm not getting? No, no, no. It's just okay. just give us some films. But yeah, they, they, I mean, they've got, like I said, the Taika Waititi film is due out next year, Star Wars film. Yeah. Rogue Squadron, the Patty Jenkins film, is still going ahead, but it's been bumped. You know, Ryan Johnson is apparently making his trilogy still, but it's on the back burner. Oh. The Kevin Feige, Michael Waldron film is currently being written now. So there are films, but, you know, as we mentioned, the buffet is so plentiful and streaming. They don't really need to worry about films for now, but um, there will, uh, will become a time when the craving for the big screen comes back, though, I think. Yeah. Maybe. And talking about craving, next week, my friend, is a kind of food-themed uh, episode. We're going to be talking about the Bob's Bob's Burgers movie, like John alluded to earlier on. The Bob's Burgers movie is our non-spoiler review for next week, uh, and I'm cautiously optimistic that it will at least be pretty fun. So uh, mm-hmm. if you want to check that out before we do our recording, please do, and then you can come along and see what we thought. Yeah. If you want it's to know- already Sorry, I was just saying, it's already in theaters. It came out with Top Gun Maverick. It was, uh, I think that's what they dropped on that specific bombing location. Let's see if uh, Bob's Burgers can uh, do better for me than Top Gun Maverick. I don't think it will, but I'd like to be surprised. Uh, talk to me, Goose. So that's it for our Top Gun Maverick non-spoiler review. We'll be back in a few days with a spoiler review. But if you want to follow us or tell us what you thought about Top Gun Maverick, or just any other film in general, you can find us on social media on Twitter at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. Instagram, John. We are at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. Uh, If you're still dilly-dallying on Facebook, just search Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. That's where we are. If you want to find me individually, you can go to whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or on all of the socials, What I Watch Tonight, including Letterboxd. And I am at BurkeReviews.com and at BurkeReviews on all the social media platforms. And I forgot to link to John then because I was staring outside at somebody putting up bunting for the Jubilee, which is coming up, the Queen's 70th celebration. So uh, if you want to rate and review what we're doing here, like we said up top, please do drop us a five-star rating or review on whatever podcast provider that you can do. As long as you can drop a rating or review, please do consider it. It helps the show grow, bumps us up those charts, gets more listeners in, which is what we're here for. We love talking films and we'd love for as many as possible to hear us talking about those films. But with that, as always, guys, stay bloody awesome and keep watching movies. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Blood, 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 blood,